Welcome to Stumbling Through Work, where educators figure shit out. I'm your host, Jared Huff, and I'm here to explore and share the complexities of our work and to let you know you are not alone. Before we start, though, please follow this podcast and share episodes with others. You can find me on my website, www.jerichhuff.com, where you can find links to my social media and where I share information and tips for educators. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey team, today I thought I would share my journey of being an author with you all. I actually published my last and first book one year ago to this month, so that's super exciting for me. Um, I was able to accomplish something last year, and I'm actually in the process of about to put out another one which actually made me reflect on this process. And, you know, I was thinking, like, why did I originally want to do do this? And why do I want to do it now? And it's because I want to share my experience and what I've learned throughout the years. I feel that when I first started being a director, I was actually told more of what not to do than what to do. Kind of the way that we should teach in the classrooms, how we should not tell children, don't do that, don't don't run, don't jump, don't skip, don't hop, instead of telling them, hey, can I see you walk? Can I see your walking feet? Can I see you get from point to A? You know, from point A to point B, whatever it may be. Um, the same way you should be always saying your expectations. And I think that's part of the reason why, I mean, I don't think I do know. That's part of the reason why I'm all about expectations. Um, telling people what I clearly want to see, what I clearly expect, um, because I didn't get a whole bunch of that in the beginning. I was kind of told, but not told how to do it per se, or it had to be a certain way and it couldn't be another way. It, it was a lot going on when I first became a director. And I want to share with people that there are other ways of doing things sometimes, but you know the fundamentals stay the same. I've shared parts of my story or my educational journey with the podcast before, but for those that are new, I actually have a background in teaching K-12, through so I actually started off in high school, then went into middle school, then from middle school went into elementary, then from elementary I made it down to ECE, kind of did the whole backwards by design situation, um, have not done adults yet although it is on my list to do I just not I just have not done it yet but um I will say that I feel that since I've been in early childhood education I enjoy it so much more than I did with anything through K through 12 but I will say I work harder now than I ever have but there's a sense of freedom that comes with that and a sense of autonomy and figuring things out for yourself which is a good and bad thing and so that's kind of why um, I, I decided to write this book, because I wanted to share my expectations that I have for people that I work with, for colleagues, and, you know, things that I've learned um, with others to help be successful. And there are lots of resources um, out there in the world. There's a lot for curriculum. There's a lot for instruction. There's a lot for classroom management. But I just don't see a whole bunch for center directors specifically. 
um, or even administration or managers or whatever term you want to use. And what I mean by that is like, how do you actually do the job? I've taken courses like budgeting and hiring and conversations, hiring staff, um, marketing. I've done a lot of those classes, but these are like what I like to call theory classes. Like in theory, it should work this way. In theory, it should be like the class that you took, but it's really not. Um, for me, it's, you know, how do you do all of these things and take what you learn when shit gets real? Like in the real world, how do you deal with this? And I've just seen a lack of resources for directors. And I mean, I see things here and there, but directors are busy. And what I tend to see is research, academically published information, a lot of information that is long. And as a director, as I've been a director, I know your time is important. Time management is necessary. And sometimes you just don't have the time to read through a lot of jargon and that's kind of why I wrote my book the way that I did. It's short to the point. It hits the point in everyday speech. You get it and you go. It's really that easy to read through because directors are busy. They have a lot on their plate. And I didn't want to make something that was cumbersome, something that just took a lot of time because sometimes you'll start a book and you just kind of stop reading it because you just don't have the time. It's a quick, short, easy read. It gives you what you need It's a platform. And you're good to go. And I know for me, like part of my journey is I love spreading knowledge. It's kind of my calling. And so this is one of the ways that I'm able to share. I love giving information to people. Um, whatever I hear, if anyone that knows me that I work, I'm like, hey, have you tried so-and-so? I read this. I've seen this. Um, that's just kind of me. I just sprout information out all the time. It's like a geyser. But because I like to just share things like that. So... And that's kind of why I decided to write a book. So now I'm on my second book, which I'm really excited about, which I'll probably have done in about a week. I'm just kind of going back through it, rereading it, editing it, um, doing all of those fun things. But it will be done really, really soon. So I'm excited about that. And I wanted to share it with you all. So be looking out for that and we'll be right back. I love sharing information with educators and program administrators. I have had so many successes, but also so many failures in my education tenure. I want leaders to know what not to do, but better than that, what to do. So, I decided to write a helpful guide, Best Practices for Center, Program, and Activity Directors. It's short and to the point. It's a compass to guide education leaders. These best practices will give you a foundation to lead your school, program, or organization. You can find best practices for center, program, and activity directors by Jared Cuff on Amazon or Amazon Kindle. Welcome back. So I'm still continuing my series on curriculum and instruction within classrooms and schools. And another thing that I notice is um, if I go into a classroom and if I see if much of the day is actually focused on custodial tasks, such as cleaning up, um, getting ready for the restroom, meals and transitions, there's a problem. 
if children are spending most of their time in large group and the waiting periods for materials are way too long because all of the children are doing the exact same thing simultaneously, there's a problem. There are lots of indicators that can tell me when there's a problem within the classroom. And these things tend to happen because one, teachers believe that most learning only takes place in circle time because they feel that because circle time, all the children are right there, that is the actual only time to get learning done. And that's not true. Um, to me personally, most of the time that you're going to spend isn't actually teaching. Let me rewind. Everything is teaching, but I mean like traditional teaching because you're going to spend a lot of time washing hands. You're going to focus a lot on health if you think about it. You spend lots of time washing hands. If you wash hands the way that you're supposed to, when you're going from one activity to another, when you are going from outside to inside, when you're preparing for a meal, when you're preparing or finishing up after meal, there's a lot of hand washing that happens throughout the day. I didn't even mention the restrooms or them rubbing their nose when they're, you know, snot coming out. There are lots of reasons why you're going to do health um, washing hands. And then you're going to spend a lot of time doing meals and getting prepped for meals, especially if you're a school that does breakfast, morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, maybe dinner. You spend a lot of time on other things. So to say that only learning happens in the circle time is not true. Then you have like free play, exploration time. There's a lot of different things that you can do that are actually learning and not just that circle time. Or if teachers only feel control when the children are all doing the same thing, your classroom should be able to do multiple things at one time. This is not third grade in elementary school. It is fine and acceptable for children to be exploring to figuring out different things. I find it fascinating that when we look back at our own childhood, the things that we hated standing in line, um, sitting around in the hallway, just waiting patiently, having to be quiet in the hallways and a bubble in our mouth or um, having to sit all day. The things that gave us trauma are the things we turn around and do to these children, which make it makes no sense at all. All the things that we hate, we push our trauma onto these children. I don't get it. It makes no sense at all. But that is what a lot of people do. And I guess because it's easier on the teacher. But once again, we're not here for it to be easier on us. It's about these children. So um, if your classroom is disorganized, if shit is not organized, it's going to be chaos. Now, I always say that if you're running a, a successful classroom where there's multiple things happen, I call it organized confusion because there's a lot going on, but you're still managing. It's, it's a classroom management skill that takes a little bit of time to learn, but there's a difference between things going on and your classroom is just unorganized. Even when you clean up, it's still unorganized. How would you expect children to be organized if you can't even get your classroom organized? And even if your learning areas are not separated, like you can't see a clear distinction. I was originally taught that every table has a shelf. Now, that's not necessarily true, but it is a great fundamental skill that I use all the time. Because if every table has a shelf, then that kind of defines an area. Um, unless it's like blocks or something, then you wouldn't have a shelf. But... 
Um, every area should have a shelf. Every area should be defined so that children know what every area is. And it helps with minimizing some of those custodial tasks because you can shut down centers at the end of the day when you start cleaning up or getting ready for lunch if you need to. It just makes it easier. A lot of people think that having the organized confusion is a bad thing, but it actually is a good thing. And it allows and stops some of that wait time because when children are sitting there waiting for something, if they're in the hallway waiting to go outside and you're trying to get everyone lined up, you're just making the situation worse because they're hitting each other, they're pushing each other, someone didn't smack somebody, somebody didn't put their finger in somebody's ear. It is all of this drama instead of just encouraging and allowing them to be who they are by saying, okay, guys, let's wiggle down the hallway. Let's, you know, let's not do anything dangerous. I don't want to say walk backwards, which isn't the best thing to do, but um, we can find some activity. Let's, you know, walk like ants down the hallways or like crabs or we can skip down the hallway. There are so many ways to encourage them to be who they are instead of trying to suppress them which turns around and makes more problems, which gives you instructional problems. See how it all kind of coincides and fits together? Haha. So I was actually looking at topic change. I was actually looking at a blog post that I wrote a while ago about gender. The reason I'm looking at the blog posts, just refreshing my memory, is because of a conversation that I had with the director. The reason for the conversation was because I was visiting a school and I was having a conversation with someone when I overheard a teacher telling her class, okay, I need the boys to go over here and the girls to go over here. So, you all know me at this point and you know how I get to asking questions. When stuff doesn't make sense, I ask questions. So I was like, excuse me, real quick, why are you separating the boys and the girls? I do know that I can be direct sometimes and it can throw people off and because of the way that I because of the way of the situation what was going on at the time I feel like looking back at it part of my self reflection I kind of bombarded her so it made her uh a little defensive because her response was oh I'm just trying to get the class organized right now we're about to go outside and I was like oh, okay I said I was just trying to understand what you know how your practice was um, and what message is that sending to them? And they're like, oh, just trying to separate. It was nothing. You know, we do everything the same and blah, 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 blah. One, that was a bullshit answer you gave me because I don't believe you because you were an entire lie. Because the fact that you said it lets me know that that's something that you say routinely um, because it came out so freely. So you just answer that way because I called you out on it at that moment. Um, and I knew the way that I went about that was not the best. So that was a moment where that was a slight teaching moment, um, which could have been more in depth on my part. But, um, you know, things like that really bother me. And if you know me, it does, because I feel like children are children. And we put these thoughts onto them of, you know, based off of your gender, a boy does this. And based off of your gender, a girl does that. Who really cares? Not me. I don't care. Um, it doesn't impact my life anyway, so I just don't care. And if you don't agree with me, I apologize that you don't agree with me. That just sounds like a personal problem because I'm going to feel how I'm going to feel. 
and it just makes no sense to me. So um, I'm going to wait to go back to have a conversation just about, you know, the way that we've been indoctrinated with things. And I'm not trying to get into this whole my philosophy thing, but from an educational aspect is the way that I'm presenting the information that we have to really be aware of the messages that we're sending to our children because gender equality is something that we really need to focus on um, and no matter how immense or minute that it is. Um, we have to promote equality everywhere in the classroom, on the playground, um, reading, um, guiding behaviors. We shouldn't say things like, oh, you're so strong to the boy and to the girl. You're so pretty, like things like that. Um, if you're not going to say it to one, if you're not going to say it to all, you shouldn't say it to one is my personal feelings. And if you do say it to one, then you need to say it to all. So that's how I feel. So I want to thank you all for listening this week, hearing my journey on my book situation, which excites me. Um, I love doing my curriculum and instruction assessment. So even though I'm not in the classroom like I used to be, it's nice to kind of observe and uh, still have the knowledge to pass this information on. And I actually encourage everyone this week to take a moment to look at ways that we can actually uh, promote equality in gender um, throughout the activities that we do in our classrooms and outside of our classrooms. And other than that, I will see you all or talk to you all next week. All right, bye. That's it for today. If you like this episode, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating, review, and subscribe to the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can visit my website, which is in the show notes, to contact me. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and speak to you all soon.